0: Hello, Mr. Shane. How are you, sir? Can you take a seat right here on this front pew with your sister? I want to show you guys something. Last night, my grandkids came over, and my youngest grandson's name is Winston. And Winston came over to the table where we were at, and he had this. Do you know what this is? It's a potato, that's right. And in this plastic bag, we have all the different parts for the potato head. And it's called Mr. Potato Head. And with my, my grandson Winston, what he did yesterday was he just kept putting all of these parts Onto the potato, oops, he put all these parts onto the potato, and it was so cool, because he just kept doing all of this stuff, and putting all the parts in there, let me get one or two more in, and then I'll show you what it looked like. I think that's probably good. Oh, I forgot one part. Oh, did I drop that? Okay. See? This is what he did. Does that look right? What's what's wrong with that, Mr. Shane? Did all the parts go on that potato wrong? Yeah. How come? Does he look kind of funny? What am I supposed to do? Where does the arm go? Goes over here on this side? Yeah, where does the ear go? Oh. That's the nose? Where are the eyes? Is the eyes in the right place? They are? So so then I put the tongue up here? Is that what happens with the tongue? What happens? Tell me. Help me know. Where does it go? So, and the hat, doesn't the hat go on top of the head? Yeah. And then, where do the eyes go? Oops, they have to backwards. That's where the hat goes. Yeah. Oh, the eyes go by the top of the head. Yeah. then where does the nose go? Yeah. Right there. Yeah. And... And then the feet go right like that. I have a tail like that. This is what it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. Because you have a potato just like that. See, when my grandson was making, actually, these are actually backwards too. They're supposed to be that way. Hmm. Apollo, my potato. They did. Apollo. Apollo got your potato. Oh no. How they're <laughs> Well, see, my grandson, Winston, when he put this together yesterday, he didn't know where all the parts were supposed to go, and so he put the on all in the wrong places. And I was thinking about that, and I realized I know where they're supposed to go. And Shane, you just showed me, you know where all the parts are supposed to go. But sometimes people don't put the parts in the right places. But you know what? This makes me think about how God made our, our church and our family and our church. God has each part of the body of Christ in the right place for the right time at the right moment so that it works, that it looks the way it's supposed to look and it functions the way it's supposed to function and we can trust God to put it together, right? Just like I don't have to put it together because I'm older, God must have to put our church and our family together because he knows, because he designed it. And so, I just wanted to show you this. I think this is cool. Did you know that the Bible says that our church is like a body? It literally says that sometimes the church has hands and feet and ears and mouth and eyes, and that's kind of hard for us to understand, but maybe this will help us to remember that God designed our church to be just like a body that has different parts that work. So, I'm going to pray for you, and before I do, I have one thing that I'm going to give you for homework, okay? Mr. Shane, this is your homework job, okay? When you get home today, I want you to ask your mommy and daddy one question, okay? Can you remember this question? It's a hard question. See if you can remember it. When you get home, ask your mom and dad, why do we go to that church? Okay? And see what they say. Let them think about what their, what their answer is going to be. They have a few hours to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> So you go home and ask your mom and dad. You go home and ask your mom and dad when you get home. Why do we go to that church? Okay? And they'll talk to you about it. Alright, let me pray for you. Jesus, please bless these guys. Bless Shane and Shia. Help them, Lord, to understand what it means to be part of the body of Christ. and To find their place. And to do it in the way that you have planned. Okay, you guys can go back and sit with your folks. I'm going to leave Mr. Tanhead right here. Actually, I can just reach over. I need this to start myself. Some of you who have been in this church for any length of time will recognize this. I was trying to think back, and to my best recollection, It was either 12 or 13 Christmases ago that my wife and I bought these candle holders and gave them to the families of our church. And for those of you who were here, you might remember that. And the thing that's distinct about it is these are factory seconds. My daughter used to work at Santa Claus House in North Pole. She was an employee there. And once a year, at Christmas time, they have an employee's night where they have party, food, it was a great time. And then the family members get 40% off, which is the normal employee discount. So we got 40% off anything we wanted to buy. And so we found these, and they were on sale at the Santa Claus house for a dollar. Because they have a mistake on them. It says, North Pole, Alaska. (laughs) Instead of Alaska. So we got these for a dollar 40%. So now you know how much we think of you. We got these for Christmas for you for 60 cents per household. But we got these specifically, and I'll sh- I'm going to read to you in just a second. But one of the things that I really like about this, and you'll, you'll hear about it in a second, is the fact that the whole point... Of church, the whole point of being part of the family of God is that we can see the advancement of the kingdom of God and we can be the light of Christ in our community. So I lit this candle. I asked Elsie not to light it beforehand because I was going to be picking it up and handling it. But if it was darker in the room, this actually looks pretty cool in a darkened room. And um, I want to read to you again. For those of you who were here, you may remember it. Those of you who aren't here, you're going to hear it for the very first time. But this is a book that I got around that time. And this, as I was reading this, the Lord just impressed on me that this is what he wanted me to share with my congregation at that Christmas 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. It's a book by Henry Nowell called Can You Drink the Cup? And what he wrote... I then put, I actually took this paragraph and put it inside the card that we gave out to everybody, and it was a way of explaining what the what the meaning was, what what our thought process was. It didn't talk anything about the chief. It just talked about the intent. Um, so here's the paragraph that Henry Nallen wrote that we shared with the congregation when we gave them this candle candle votive holder. Community is like a large mosaic. Each little piece seems so insignificant. One piece is bright red, another cold blue, or dull green, another warm purple, another sharp yellow, another shining gold. Some look precious, others ordinary. Some look valuable, others worthless. Some look gaudy, others delicate. As individual stones, we can do little with them, except compare them and judge their beauty and their value. When, however, all of these little stones are brought together in one big mosaic, portraying the face of Christ, who would ever question the importance of any one of them? If one of them, even the least spectacular one, is missing, the face of Christ is incomplete. Together in the one mosaic, each little stone is indispensable and makes a unique contribution to the glory of God. That's community. A fellowship of little people who together make God visible in the world. And what we wrote in that little card that we gave to you after we put that in there was the other side was, if you'll notice on this gift that we've given you, there's an A missing because it's incomplete. And we want you to recognize and understand that there, even in our church, there's an incompleteness in the sense that we're not whole, we're not complete. God is always bringing more people in to join our community. And our job as a Christian community is to help them find their place, help them figure out why God brought them here. What's the whole purpose of our congregation and why? And it evolves over time. I mean, this has been 13 years ago. And if you think about it, and those of you who were here 13 years ago, think about it. Who was here then who's not here now? Don't say their names because it's being recorded and we don't want to, for, for, for any reason, the name a person. But think about who was here then who's not here now. I can name one Ruth Root. She went on to be with the Lord. Frank Birdie went on to be with the Lord. Carolyn, who now lives in Idaho number of others, and again, we don't need to call their names up, but just think about this. Congregation has evolved over the years. God has brought new ones in, has taken others out. There have been some who have stayed. It just—it's a constantly ebb and flow thing. And the constant question is, what is the purpose for today? Has your purpose stayed the same? Are you still in the same role that you were in 13 years ago? Because God has not allowed you to be released from that role. Or are you stuck in the role that you've been in for 13 years when really God wants you to go do something else within this body and you, for whatever reason, haven't moved? Now, I am not in any way being judgmental. I'm not trying to say that that's the case in anyone's situation. But the reality is, the thing that I've heard resounding in my heart is, Why are we here, and what is our purpose, and what does God want from us? Now, I have a series of scriptures that God pulled me through. You've read them all, you know them all by heart. They've been beaten to death as far as talking about the body of Christ. But it is important that we read through them before I can take you through to the, the final point that is in my heart and in my head. So let me go ahead and pull them out, and I will read them to you. Verses 24 and 25, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Again, these are very, very familiar. You probably can quote to me before I give you what it says. But Hebrews 10:24 and 25 says, "And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching near." Romans 10, excuse me, Romans 12, 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1-7. through 7. Before I do Ephesians, the children's sermon was based on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you didn't recognize that. Where Paul said, we are one body, but we are made of many parts. And if one part should say, well, i am not really needed the foot, for, for, for example, just because the foot says, well, I'm not really needed, does it make any less part of the body? No, it's still part of the body. And the hand, or the ear. And if somebody were to try to divorce themselves from the body, well, then where would that function be? Paul said, you know, if, if an ear says, I no longer want to be part of the body, then where would the sense of hearing be? So God has a specific purpose and plan for the body. And each one in, the, in that body has a role. Then Ephesians chapter 4, same author, Paul, wrote, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What I hear the word of God saying in these verses is, you don't get to choose who comes to church with you. It's your job to bear with every single one that's here, no matter how irritating they might be, no matter how dry just drives you crazy because they won't blah, 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 or they do blah, 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 one time, I heard about it, I wasn't here, but I remember one time when we had a guest speaker and he said, look around the room, if you find somebody that you don't like, go talk with them. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so then people got up and talked with them. <laughs> which was kind of awkward. <laughs> but it was, it was a point well taken. But it was kind of like, I hate to be the one that got walked up to. <laughs> Then there's a line behind the person that was talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Paul again, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit of the of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he goes into some really weird, bizarre, ascending, descending talk for a couple of verses, and then it comes to verse 11, and he says, And he gave, he being God, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers, whose purpose is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we are no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I love this Mr. Head image when talking about that. Because there's no body. Everything is attached to the head. And that's what this is talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. Everything is attached to the head, into Christ, and joined together so that growth builds itself up in love. So, and then the last verse, before I get into any thinking or any discussion, the last verse is Colossians chapter 2 verse 19. It says, And not this is actually a negative, talking about what you should do, okay? So he says, and not holding fast, but he's encouraging people to hold fast. And not hold fast to the head from whom the body, the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that comes from God. And that was the point that I wanted to make. You can look back at 219 later, because it's kind of awkward to come into the statement in the middle of the thought. But the, the point that I'm making here, and that wasn't said in any of the other verses, was that this growth that Paul was talking about, that needs to take place, is a growth that comes from God. So it's not like we're working together as body members of the body of Christ so that we can affect good, so that we can make things happen, so that we can cause growth, so that we can... That's not what this is all about. Our purpose is to be whatever it is God has asked you to be. Our purpose is to understand why God has me here today. Now, mine's kind of easy. Because you all hired me to be the speaker. You hired me to be the shepherd. You hired me... No, you didn't hire me to be the treasurer. That just kind of fell to me. Um, Hint, hint, hint. It's been three years. It's time for somebody to step up. But we won't go there right now. Um, Seriously, it has to happen. I can't continue to do this forever. I'm not saying I don't want to do it. I'm just saying it has to happen. Um, but the point is, is God is bringing people into our congregation because God sees within them something that God sees is needed here. Now, going back to the discussion about whether or not you've been moved or not moved over the last 13 years, and whether or not you're holding the spot that you shouldn't be anymore. Because guess What? If God brings somebody in who's gifted and talented, but we have someone entrenched who refuses to give up their space, that one who's gifted and talented, specifically called to this place, will never, never have the opportunity to do the ministry God has ordained for them because you refuse to get out of their seat. Now, I'm not thinking of any individual when I say that. Don't hear me looking at any see me looking at any one of you. Hear me calling any names, because I don't know that we really have any of that going on. But it is something to consider when you're thinking about who am I in this body of Christ?
1: Am I somebody? Am, am I serving where God wants
0: me to serve, or am I simply placeholder? Am I using my gifts, my talents, my passions to the best of my ability for glory and honor to God? Am I or am I not? These are all thoughts that you should be processing regularly, not just when you first come to a church. Even in my case, as the pastor, I have to continually figure out, am I effective in today, or is it time for me to think about moving on? Not because I want to leave this church, but I don't want to be a placeholder. I've been here for 17, going on 18 years. Hallelujah. Okay? Hurrah! And I'm I'm the longest tenured pastor this church has ever known. Isn't that a great... Now, the reality is, if I wasn't being effective or if I'm not being effective and I'm holding on to a place because it's comfortable and easy and I don't want to leave, there's somebody out there that God has gifted and called and has brought and prepared for this role, and I'm not moving, so therefore nobody's getting an opportunity to come and use their, their talents and gifts here as God will be ordaining. Now I'm not saying any of that's real. I'm just saying this is stuff that I pray about and I think about. It, it's like Lord, I've, for for four, for four or five years now I have been really seriously praying, Lord, and I, I've talked to the district superintendent, I've talked to fellow pastors, I've talked to. Um, various counselors that I have that I trust, and, and I've said to them, "My heart is not to leave. I want to stay here for the rest of my life, but I don't want to stay here beyond what I'm supposed to. I don't want in any way to cause harm. I don't want to stunt growth. And one of the greatest pieces of, of advice I received was from a dear, dear friend I have known for, for almost 25, 30 years, and this man said to me." Don't worry about moving until you feel drawn to something else. Don't worry that you still feel called here, because that's God. But when you sense you're being drawn something to something else, you can know that that's God too. And don't worry about it until that happens. And that was one of the best pieces of advice, i because it literally put at rest all that worry, all that worry. I would share with you the same thing for you. I can remember when I was in Bible college, I was talking with a, one of the staff pastors, because we attended a church that was 1,400 people that attended regularly, right the And they had nine pastors on the staff. And I was talking with Ruben, who was one of the staff pastors, and his job as a pastor was to help new people find their place in the church. And I, one of the things this church had in place was a class called the Newcomers' class. It was a one Day one hour long or hour and a half long class, and you only went to it once. And it was if you're new to our facility, new to our church, you don't know anything about us. Feel free to come on a Sunday after at 10:30 or whatever the time was, so you could go to the morning service and then come to that class. And then we'll walk you through the ministries of our church. You'll we'll get a 10 minute sit and talk, a chat with our senior pastor, and blah blah blah. It was a really cool. Facilities. We had like four different, five different buildings that ministry took place on on a Sunday morning. Children were over here. The teens were over here. The, some of the adult classes were up on the Bible College campus. Here's where the adult. Here's where the the, the, the wing that all the nine pastors were. And here's this and here's that. So it was a great introduction to this huge, scary place. Well, I was talking with Ruben, the pastor who was overseeing that, and I said, Ruben, I just talked with John. Yeah, yeah at school yesterday, and he told me that he feels like God's calling him to a different place and nobody's going to be filling his role. He said, Yeah, that's right. I said, Well, who do you have to take over for him to do the leadership of this class? He said, Nobody. I said, Reuben, this is a very vital class. This is important. He said, I know. I said, Well, you can't just let it sit fallow. You have to get somebody in here. This is crazy. You're in charge. You should be worried. You should be beating the bushes trying to find somebody. And Reuben looked to me and smiled. He said, I think it just did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, no, no, not me. He said, Sounds like you got hurt. Sounds like God's speaking to you about it. Maybe, uh, maybe you should pray about it. Let me know next week what God touched me. I couldn't get away from it. And so I became the leader of that class. Now, almost three months to the day, God very clearly released me from my responsibility. So I went to Reuben and I said, Reuben, I need to do this because I know I've just gotten started with this, but I really feel like I'm released. He said, Okay. Wanna make next Sunday or last Sunday? Sure. He said, I said, What are you going to get to feel up? He said, I have no clue. But God will bring the person when it's, when it's the right time. Okay. And literally, there was no gap. Someone stepped in and took the week after I gave up. Because God had somebody already in the wings waiting, they just needed me to get out of the seat. And so I learned something really cool that I tried to apply in my ministry here, is when God has put a burden on your heart, then it's time for you to step up into whatever that is. Even if we've never done it before, it's on your heart. So let's start seeing where God's going to lead you to take responsibility for that area of our ministry. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I don't have the ulterior motives in saying that. I don't have a plan that I want to fill with somebody's body. But I want you to understand, as the pastor, there are things that our church body is fluid. Over the last 17, 18 years, I've seen people come. I've seen people go. I've seen some people stay. We have moved around and changed ministries. We do things that we do have things in place that, we have, that we've never done before, we have things in place that we've done always, we have things that we used to do that we don't do anymore, and I believe the same thing's going to happen in the coming days, that God's going to just move things around and bring people in and raise people up. Do you know, I won't make any names, but I have been contacted already by a person who was on staff at another church of the Nazarene in the lower part of our state, and they have moved to Fairbanks and they want to become part of our church. And they were the children's pastor at their last church. Oh my goodness! Have we been praying for a children's director or a children's leader for years? Oh my goodness! Now, the person's not here today. and They haven't been able to come. And they've only been in our church one time. So I don't know what God's doing. I just know that God is starting to show that maybe this is the path for somebody to come and And take responsibility. But even when that that person were to come today and commit, I don't let anybody walk in the door and take over a ministry until they've had seat time for at least six months. I don't care what their history is. I need to know that they're called to this church, to serve in this church, that we can trust them. So understanding here that even if that person started attending next week, it's not going to be until at least the spring before that person's going to be allowed to take over any kind of ministry. But understand, God is being is active, and God has got a plan, and God knows where everything goes in the body, and you just have to trust Him and believe that He's in control. He is not the God of chaos, He's the God of order. He has a plan and a purpose and an understanding, and our job is to cooperate with Him. Now, last but not least, and this is the thing that I want you to take home with, everything else you've heard before. Everything else you can call fluff, if you will, but this is the one thing... That is COVID-related. That I want you to take home with you and pray over. Look around right now. I made a count this morning. If I counted correctly, we have twenty, maybe twenty-one people present. Do you know that before COVID we were running close to thirty-five, mm-hmm. sometimes over forty? That means we have literally been cut in half. And do you know what that means as a pastor? I don't have access to those lives. Because the main reason they're not coming is COVID. The main reason they're not here is because they're trying to protect their family and themselves from having any access to somebody that's sick. The end result being The enemy of our souls has effectively cut them off from the body of Christ. Now, I am in constant contact with these people through text messaging and phone calls and trying to minister to them the best I can. And this is not me trying to make you feel guilty in any way, shape, or form, but I want you to think seriously about it. When's the last time you talked with any one of those 20 people? When's the last time you intentionally reached out to someone who normally was part of our church family, but hasn't been coming for over eight months? Are you comfortable with not talking with them? If you are, you've got an issue you've got to talk to the Lord about. Because literally, what that means, literally, what that means is you are perfectly fine with that. Half of the hearing is gone. There's no sense of smell. Only half the strength, because part one of the arms is missing. And there's no prayer covering. But those people were part of our church family. And if you go back and read all of those scriptures that I read to us this morning, what does it say? It says God has a purpose and a plan and He brings those people to this church for a specific reason. And He has a specific place for them and a specific role for them. And it is part of making the growth happen that God is Spoken over this church years ago, 150 fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ would work from this particular location to bring about the kingdom of God in the Two Rivers, Pleasant Valley area, and we were almost at one third of that eight months ago. And now we've been cut in half. And my, my pastor's heart breaks. I can't make somebody not be afraid. I can't make somebody change their mind. But at the same time, I can't go into their living room and have time with them because it's not allowed because of their concern over disease. But if every one of you who had a relationship with one of of these people who are not here would reach out to them, we would maybe have opportunity to see them still somehow connected to our congregation. Now, I'm not trying to make any individual that's not coming feel that. So if you're listening to this video right now, or to this audio right now, do not hear me talking to you about not coming to church, because that's not what this is about. What it's about is, we who are here need to be prayerfully trying to figure out how we can reach out to the ones we no longer have access to because of COVID.
1: Because we've literally
0: been cut in half. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I know it's God's responsibility to bring the growth. I know it's God's responsibility to to calm their fears. I know it's God's responsibility to keep them safe. I understand all of that. But we also have a responsibility, because if you read those scriptures that I read to you this morning, it talks about being intentional. It talks about keeping the bond of unity. It talks about reaching across the aisle, if you will. And so my question for you, and my challenge to you, is are you comfortable with where we are right now? And if so, you need to figure out why. Because this isn't good. This is not good to be cut in half and say that's it's great. We're back. Woo-hoo, we're meeting again. Woo-hoo. We don't have children's ministries going on. We don't have youth ministries going on. We have no Bible study going on anywhere. As a, as a form of this church, we don't. I'm sure some of you are reading your Bibles at least once or twice a month. But the reality is, as a ministry, this church, we are not forming spiritually anybody. All we do is a preaching point once a week. My job's a really And I need you to join me in prayer over this. And that's the reason I'm talking about this. This has been on my heart for months. But when I was praying and asking the Lord about what I needed to say this morning, especially after what we went through last week, with having such a great rally, encouragement to the saints, I didn't want to come in and go, Debbie Downer, and go, oh, it's bad. But the Lord really put it on my heart. We have a responsibility to the ones who are not part of us right now, but who were part of us. Somehow, way, we have to love on them. Not to win them back, because they're still part of us. But we need to show them that they're still part of us. We still need to reach out to them. We need to, hey, can I get together with you for, with a cup of coffee or, or a cup of tea, and we read three scriptures together and pray. Nothing fancy, nothing formal, nothing needing bio, bio, you know, you know, theological training. Just let's read three passages of scripture and pray together, and then we're good. I'll see you next month. It's more than you did last month. (laughs) Anyway, I think I've beat a dead horse at this point. But I really, truly, this has been my burden and my passion for weeks and for weeks and for weeks. We've got to find a way to love on the people who are part of us, but for COVID, are not coming through the doors. Let's pray. Jesus, I love you praise you, and thank you, and give you glory. And I ask God that you would cause growth. Not physical numbers. I'm not worried about how many people attend. I'm talking about spiritual growth. I'm talking about people being part of something where they can know that they have a role and a function and a purpose. So Jesus, I just ask God that you would just move in a powerful way in our hearts, in our ministries, in our community. In your name I pray.